0: Session with Doctor Fadid Holakwi. Good evening, welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Doctor Fadid Holakwi. And I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Not taking any calls because I'm doing Instagram Live again, but you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Let's get to the books of the week. The book of the week for this week is The Family Firm by Emily Oster. The Family Firm, A Data-Driven Guide to Better Decision-Making in the Early School Years. And this author, Emily Oster, she is a professor of economics, and she has written the books Expecting Better and Crib Sheet. I read Crib Sheet for the show. It's about um, birth to the preschool years, and so this one looks like it's following up. Expecting Better is about pregnancy till birth. And I really like her approach. Um, She looks at all the research she doesn't tell you this is the one way or the right way to do things but shows what the research uh is uh, suggesting on different topics and then based on that gives you the space to make a decision that makes the most sense for your family so i really liked her approach in crib sheet so looking forward to reading that book and uh, sharing with you next week on monday's show the book of the week from last week that i'll be talking about tonight is the art of logic by eugenia cheng the art of logic in an Elogical world. And uh, this was a book I, I found. Um, well, it was interesting for me because I think a lot of times this word logic is thrown around to mean something that it doesn't, or people use it as a way to justify their way of thinking versus other people's way of thinking, when very often it's less about logic versus e-logic or Rational versus irrational. It's different ways of thinking or different things that you that you value Uh, The author Eugenia Chang. She's written a few books and she is a mathematician that's what she studies and what, what she continues to work on and She explains how math when we we think of math myself included we tend to think of numbers arithmetic algebra geometry calculus, and we think it's about numbers, but as she explains, it's a lot more about a way of thinking or thinking about things, thinking through things. And so she uh, wrote this book in an attempt to show how we can understand when we're using logic, what logic is, and also the limits of even using logic, that we can't use it for, for everything. Um, so it's a good book to help you understand some of the basics of what we mean when we talk about logic, which is essentially a framework for understanding how we get from one thing to the next. And it's not quite like proofs in geometry, although that's one form of it, but it's a way of thinking that we are, we're talking about. So often when we are talking about an issue, um, and this is why I thought it was interesting and important and something to think about, when you usually hear people argue about something, oftentimes. I actually see it in couples therapy but even just in your everyday life what you realize is they're having two different arguments at the same time you know one person is saying you were late and the other person is saying something about you don't care about me or something and they're they're having the conversation but we realize they don't know what they're really arguing about or really they're both expressing some feeling but they're having two different conversations so actually something i i suggest and something to keep in mind is If you're having a discussion, dispute, argument with someone, friend, family, loved one, it can be important to stop at some point and ask, okay, what are we arguing about? Not in the sense of just why are we arguing? That's usually what people mean when they say that. But I mean actually spelling out what is it that we're arguing about? What is it that you think and you're saying? What is it that I think and I'm saying? And even both people can do that because very often you'll see that people don't even know or won't be able to express what the other person is thinking. So they're just kind of yelling at each other and getting more and more angry for lots of reasons including the fact that they're having two different conversations, two different arguments. So of course they're not going to see eye to eye on something. So I thought that was um, an important point that came up in the book in different ways and something that I have realized and I might do a segment later in the show related to that topic but this theme that if we don't even know what we are, what's the framework under which we are thinking or what are the ideas that you are saying or what's at the core of your disagreement? So a lot of times people think, well, if you disagree about helping poor people, depending on what side you're on helping, let's say the population experiencing homelessness, some people say, well, you're evil if you don't want to help them, you're good if you do. While the other side will say, well, you just want to enable people who don't want to work hard and make everyone else pay for it. And we're the ones that are being responsible and promoting, uh, you know, individual responsibility, individual, um, you know, uh, authority in their own life. And so if we look at it, it's not about one of them is evil and the other one is good or vice versa. It's different beliefs or different values that are driving their way of thinking or what they are suggesting. And so that's something that she talks about in the book, Looking at or trying to understand your own core beliefs, or if you want to call them values, or even we can call them a bias because you see things through a certain lens, or these beliefs lead to a bias because you see things or value things in a particular way. And so, I thought that was interesting that you wouldn't think logic or a book from a mathematician would be going into your values, but that was something that. She talked about, which I think is very important because you'll realize when you think about how you view political issues, moral issues, we tend to just think I'm right and other people are wrong. And that's a very self-serving way. It makes us feel good, makes us feel like we're better than other people. They're not thinking straight and we are, or we're moral than they are. But when you look at it more closely, if you're being real with yourself, What you tend to find is there's some values that you have and that can actually help you understand yourself better as well that these are the things i care about for me it's more important or i'm not she expresses her own thinking in this way to a degree of for me it's more okay if we help some people that don't need it that being there is better for me than if we didn't help some people that did need it so i'm willing to risk that for me that's okay for other people the belief might be if we give people too much, they are going to get lazy or take advantage of it. And so they're more worried about that side of things. And so it's just about understanding yourself and your values and the way that you see things. And then also trying to understand how someone could have a different type of perspective from you. I think unfortunately what we've seen even recently more, but it's always there, but more in the past few years is with this intense polarization, there's no more room for conversation because you are so right and moral and good and the other side is crazy and stupid and immoral and doesn't think that we leave no room for discussion. And I think wisdom comes from approaching a conversation that I respect the other person, I might completely disagree with them but i would expect that there's some way that they've gotten to their position and i want to try to understand that rather than what we're seeing now is how do i prove them wrong make them look stupid make them look bad and even if you go on youtube i see videos all the time about so and so eviscerates you know liberal social justice warrior or this person this intellectual Um, demoralizes, right-wing, conservative, blah, blah, blah. And it's all about tearing the other person apart, making them look bad, because of course you are so right and they are so wrong, and let's make them look stupid because that's what they are. When really, if you think about it, if your idea is very good, you wouldn't need to feel this need to make the other person look stupid or make them feel bad about themselves or feel bad in some way. And us as the viewers, and I've been I'm sure guilty of this too, we have to recognize that we like seeing the videos where the intellectual hero on our side tears down people from the other side. And usually it's the intellectual hero from your side versus just some guy in the audience or some woman in the audience asking a question. And so it can even be an unfair fight on multiple levels. But we just love that feeling, look, look how good we are and how stupid. They are, And and it reinforces our idea that we are right. And so we, we get a lot from being right and we want that and we can understand that. But I hope you can also recognize that if we can shift our goal from understanding or from being right to understanding, it's going to go a long way. And it's actually going to make us feel better in the long run to not get so connected to our ideas that we identify with them too strongly. So this is where I talk about, we see identity politics is its own topic. But for me, another way of looking at it is identifying with your politics. How much do you say, I am a this? Because if you say, I am a this party, from, you know, I have this belief and it's so strong, then you're no longer gonna be open to hearing things in an objective way. Because if anyone challenges that idea, they're not just challenging an idea you think about or you think is right. You'll feel like they're attacking you. So if you say you are a Democrat or a Republican and someone says something against the values of that party or something that they're promoting, it's not just, oh, you have a disagreement with me about some idea. You're trying to attack or almost feels like killing me. And that's when you run into problems. So we can recognize, you know, this is what I believe right now, or this is what seems most relevant or makes the most sense to me but I think we serve ourselves much better if we can maintain this level of openness that this seems the most right to me rather than I know this is right and there's no way it's wrong that gets us in a lot of trouble now in the book she also talks about various ways that logic can break down or things that can make logic become a problem and one of them is a false dichotomy and so that's another issue that comes with polarization either You're this side or that side, and that's it. So um, that could be like either you're with us or against us, something she mentioned, which I think is actually a really good one. Either you're fully on this side, which means you agree with everything we say, or if you disagree even slightly, then you're against us and like, you know, get out of here. We don't want you part of our group. Go to the other side. And that's not at all the case. Most things are much more complicated than that. There's a lot more gray area, and she talked about how There's gray area in so many things, and that creates its own complications, but most things are not black and white, either this way or that way. But one of the things people do in arguments is they create a false dichotomy. Do you either think this or think that? And that's it. Are you pro this or anti this? And there's no gray area or room for discussion, but most issues are much more complicated than that. She also had a chapter on analogies, which I thought was uh, interesting. I quite like analogies, um, and how they can help us understand something better. And the way I think analogies, um, work, or one of the ways that they work is there's a feeling that comes along with some kind of thought or idea. And if we can make a connection with something else that seems to feel the same way, there's some kind of a resonance that helps us understand things better. So for example, actually, when you read, for example, uh, fiction, I remember when I was reading Marcel Proust's book, Um, I've got three, two of them this year and both of them, the ways that he would talk about things, he would make these analogies that you would just feel something inside about it. You know, he would say this and this and this was like this and this and this, and somehow there was a resonance there that you could feel or I was feeling that was like wow yes that feels I think I can feel what the person was feeling at that moment or I can feel what you know the church looked like poking through these clouds because of the way he described it and so when we have analogies although it's about ideas often it's also about the way it feels that there's some type of a resonance there that helps us make a connection um, she used kind of a simplified one so let's say a white woman in the United States is trying to understand racism, but can't understand the experience of racism. But then you can make an analogy. Well, what is it like to be a woman compared to men in this country? And with that analogy, she might be able to carry that forward to try to understand what it feels, knowing you won't know exactly, but can give you a better idea of what it might feel like to be oppressed through racism in this country. So we can see how analogies um can help us in understanding even logical issues, but there's emotion involved. And that's another theme that comes up in the book, especially at the end of the book, this idea that it's another false dichotomy that either you're logical or you're emotional, or sometimes we'll say rational or emotional, which also they'll say rational or irrational, but that's a false dichotomy. You don't have to be either or, and as she argues, The best blend to be an intelligent human being and by intelligence she doesn't just mean IQ but the the best way of thinking and approaching life is to have a blend of the logical and the emotional so don't make it an either or make it an and where you are combining those things and I very much agree with that that people try to think or they trick themselves into thinking I'm purely logical And it's funny because even when they're saying that, you can feel so much emotion usually in the sense that they're clinging to that, that they want to see themselves in a certain way. So it's less about actually being whatever purely rational or logical means, but that it means so much to me because usually something like being emotional is weak or it's stupid or I'm better than other people who are emotional because I'm logical, what I'm saying is more right. What I'm saying should go more often because I'm thinking logically, other people are thinking emotionally, and none of those things are true. Show me someone who thinks they only think logically, and if you talk to them for even a few minutes and explore some things, you'll see how much emotion is affecting what um, they, are, they are thinking or how they, they approach life. So, emotions are always there. They're always impacting us. And the way I think about it is that emotions are one source of information. So it's not that we just go based on feeling hundred percent, but it's also that we can't remove it. You can try and you can't remove it anyway. But also you don't do yourself any uh, benefits or you're not doing yourself any favors by taking the emotion out because you need both. So they're a source of feeling and you you kind of can go, you can think about it back and forth. So you feel something, Is that intuition? Is that intuition actually telling me something that I can't quite understand yet? Or is that feeling something that I have something that happened in my past that makes me not want to think this way or approach this thing? And so you have to think about both. She shared an interesting example about herself moving, and I could relate to that because I I think sometimes new things can make me, um, everyone has a little bit scared of new things or gets anxious about new things. Sometimes I can see myself pausing a little bit too long or not going towards something new and she was making a potential move I think it was like going to Chicago and she said I realized I didn't want to do it but then I made a pros and cons list and I saw the pros were really big the cons were a bunch of little things that I had to take care of um, she didn't I think explain it quite this way but it seems like we're making her very anxious and made her want to go away from it so we can use our logic that we say okay something's telling me don't go that way what is it that's telling it's telling me it's not not to go that way Is it actually dangerous and bad for me? Or is it that it's bringing up some anxieties, insecurities, whatever it might be, and it makes me want to turn around and go the other way? So I thought that was interesting that in a book about logic, she made it very clear that the ultimate way of thinking in her mind is to to combine logic and emotions together, that we need both, and that leads to the best way of thinking, and also when we're interacting with others, to... Be aware that to convince them, we probably have to connect to their intellect or to their logical mind and also their emotional mind as well, that you probably will need both. And so that's something to keep in mind as well. So that was the book, The Art of Logic in an Illogical World by Eugenia Chang. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So I was talking today about the book, The Art of Logic by Eugenia Chang. And in this segment, I wanted to talk about uh, arguments that people have in their relationships. It could be really all relationships, but especially romantic relationships, because those can be the most significant or the ones that we encounter the most. And so, as I was saying previously, often when people have arguments, we might not even realize what we are arguing about, or really they... Could be having two different arguments at the same time and you'll see this and so they're both saying something and in a way they're relevant they're not completely obviously having two conversations about two completely different things but what you'll recognize is that there isn't really a connection directly in what they're saying so they're not responding so much to one another they're, they're really both expressing some strong feelings about something but it might not be about the same thing or it might be different aspects of the same topic and so that's why i was suggesting if you find yourself in an argument and it might seem simple where we're arguing about our you know the relationship with the in-laws we're arguing about money we're arguing about this and that might be the overall theme but you might not be having the same conversation or about the same specific part of that conversation so you should be able to tell yourself. What am I saying? And what is my partner saying? What's our different sides of this? And that can be really helpful in allowing you to see, are we having even the same conversation? Or are we just yelling about two different things at the same time, which definitely will never get anywhere. Many arguments don't get anywhere. But if you're not talking about the same thing, you can't expect to get anywhere at all. So that's something to keep in mind. What are we actually talking about what is your point what is my point even we you should be able to figure out where do we disagree where does the disagreement lie and often this is something that happens in couples therapy and to be honest it's not something that's automatic that you can tell so quickly at times so even as an objective person listening i'll have the experience where i'm seeing them argue and i'm trying to get to okay what's at the core of what they are talking about Are they, first of all, talking about the same thing, but what's at the core of this? And it's not always that simple to realize, oh, this is actually about I feel like or this partner feels like the other partner doesn't care enough about what they feel. This partner feels like they're asking, they're being asked too much from the partner, something like that. So can we get to the core of what's going on rather than just yelling at each other and going at each other? So that's one part. Another thing is something that does come up which relates to this book is people will say, oh, well, well, it's not logical what you're saying in a relationship kind of an argument or what you want to do is not logical or what you're asking me to do is not logical. And I think, you know, first of all, I always take issue with that because usually my question is what does that mean it's not logical? And they'll say, well, it's just better to do it this way or it's right to do it this way. And yes, at some extremes, uh, you know, saying we shouldn't do black and white thinking, I don't want to do it either. Sometimes things, of course, can be more illogical or very emotional and not looking at the reality of a situation. But most of the time with most things that we disagree about, it's more about our feelings and preferences rather than pure right and wrong logic. So I've heard things like, You know, we should do the dishes now because it's not logical to do it tomorrow. You know, that's a fight I've I've heard before. And that to me does not make enough sense to say we can say it's just logic that says it's better to wash the dishes tonight versus tomorrow. Even you're saying tonight would have been better to do it right when you finished eating. What's the logical time of, of doing that? Really what it probably breaks down to is that for you, having the dishes be dirty till tomorrow bothers you more than it bothers your partner. They're okay with the dishes being dirty in the sink. For you, it's not okay. And it's not that one of them is right or wrong, one of them is logical or illogical, but it's just difference and about preferences. So if we get into an argument about proving who's right or wrong or who's being more logical, you're probably just going to drive each other crazy and not get anywhere. No, no, it doesn't make sense because they're sitting there and this happened. Oh, well, let's just rest and relax and go to sleep. That's stupid to do it now. It's probably not either of those. It's just, let's try to understand why we like things, why we feel a certain way. And you actually can get somewhere with that. You know, the first partner can say, you know, for me, when the dishes are not done and we're even watching TV relaxing, it's still on my mind that the dishes are dirty. So I can't enjoy the night as much. And the other person might say, okay, well, for me, it doesn't really bother me. I forget about them and I'm enjoying the night. I'd rather rest now. I'm so tired at the end of the night. I don't want to do the dishes at night. I'd rather we do them tomorrow, let's say. And so then they can have a conversation. Well, how much does it mean to both of us? What makes sense for us? So in a way you have a logic together of what makes the most sense for us as partners, but not because we're going to convince each other who's right and who's wrong, whose perspective is more logical so as we can see it's usually more about preferences and feelings and this is what i mean sometimes people more likely men but people can feel like no no i only think of things logically anything i'm asking for it's logical and that's it not realizing that there's so much emotion and it's mostly emotion that's driving most of those things and so that partner once we get to the core of it that, that one instead instead of saying i'm going to convince you that you're illogical says it makes it so hard for me to enjoy the night because the dishes are there. And so for me that five minutes or whatever it is that does that makes such a difference. And the partner might say, you know, it takes a few minutes and if it means that much to you now that I understand the feeling that is there, for me now it's worth it too because I care about you. And so they can get somewhere rather than just trying to convince each other who is right and wrong and who is being logical or illogical. So that's a big one that comes up a lot in arguments is, I'm being logical and you're not. I'm being rational, you're being irrational. And usually it's because from our perspective, something seems so right. Of course, I mean, you you wash the dishes and you put them away. How could that be? How could you do it any other way than waiting? The next day they get dirty, it's harder to wash them. But if you look at your own life, I'm sure you'll see there's some things that you put off for a later time too, that someone could say, do this right now. Did you pay this exactly the moment you got the bill? Did you do this exactly the moment this happened? Probably not. So you can see there's preferences and feelings that are involved here rather than just one right way and only one right way to do things. And not only that, when we go to the level of abstracting it so far that it's about logic and who's right or wrong, we don't really learn about each other that way. We're just proving, let's have a debate of, is dishes at night more important than doing the dishes tomorrow morning, and let's fight and see who wins. Rather than in the example I shared when the partner tells their their spouse, their partner, that this is why it means so much to me, this is how I feel. Now you actually learn something about one another. And maybe the other one says, oh, you know, for me, it was always a thing when we had dinner, we always had fun as a family afterwards, and I like just doing that with you now. And you're like, oh, now I get why for you doing the dishes interrupts this of experience so i'm making a fake argument so you might think it's a little bit simplified but generally things do boil down to feelings and preferences rather than right and wrong and this is the last thing about arguments in a, a relationship that i wanted to talk about shifting the focus from being right or wrong to understanding and this also can relate to this theme of moving away from which one is logical and which one is right or wrong to let's look at the feelings it's that we want to understand each other better and if you have love and respect for your partner then you want to have love and respect for their feelings and the ways they think about things love and respect doesn't mean i agree with everything you feel i agree with everything you think i see things the same way as you i can't see it any other way it doesn't have to be any of those things you can say I know, for example, you're going outside, you're not cold, but you know your partner gets cold, you grab them a jacket, not because you think you should be cold, not because you are cold, because you know that your partner might be cold, you grab them a jacket. And so similarly, you might recognize I don't feel that way, or I'm feeling something different from you, but if I love and respect you, I want to understand it. So if you can, and this is not just in romantic relationships, but in general, and it was actually brought up in the book. Move away from just proving yourself right and proving the other person wrong and make your goal with your partner in the conversation or with your partner, if we're talking about your relationship, to understand each other better. I want to understand where you're coming from and see if we can both understand each other more. So I'm not trying to move towards being right. I'm trying to move towards understanding. And of course, both ways, I want to understand you more, but I also want to make sure you understand me. Both of them feel good and both of them are necessary to get somewhere. And it shifts the focus from one of us is going to win this argument and then win whatever happens to we are going to win together. I don't want to win against you. I want to win with you. So we're going to talk. I'm going to share what I'm feeling. You share what you're feeling. And let's see where we can get to together. I'm not going to try to prove you wrong. I'm not going to try to prove that you're stupid for thinking what you think or feeling what you feel. I want to understand what you're feeling. And unfortunately, this happens a lot in relationships, trying to prove the person wrong or trying to show that they're feeling something they shouldn't be feeling. And feelings... Where do they exactly come from? It's complicated it, from our history. Of course, some am not just human beings, but there's so many things that go into our feelings. But as I said earlier, having respect for your partner's feelings means I care about you. So I want to know how you feel. Now, it could be something that you feel different from them that's just, differences and the difference could be from let's say an insecurity even or a sensitivity but what i tell my clients couples when stuff like this comes up is like well you know they're sensitive about this why is that my problem and it's not that it's necessarily your problem but if you're in a relationship with someone you care about you would hope that you would care about what hurts them what actually gets in the way here again is about things like blame and being right or wrong because if our partners hurt often we first go to oh no but it wasn't my fault you're sensitive Because we're just focused on being right or not being wrong in this case and being guilty rather than we would hope that if your partner's in pain, that's the most important thing. Not so much what caused it if you were right or wrong for whatever it is that they're feeling this way, but that I don't want you to hurt. So it's just like if your partner had a very painful elbow from an injury, you would make sure you don't bump up against that elbow. And if you did, you wouldn't be like, well... It doesn't matter if you're hurting, that's your fault. You have a sensitive elbow. You're like, oh, I'm so sorry, I hurt you. You're feeling pain. And so similarly, when you're having an argument and you are hearing your partner is in some kind of pain, hopefully you will say that matters to me, that you are hurting. And so if we again move from being right, or in this case, being so wrong or feeling guilty, it can make it easier for us to recognize, I just don't want you to hurt. I don't want you to be in pain. I want to understand it. So again, if we just focused on being not wrong in this case, you would miss a great opportunity to understand your partner better. So your partner's like, oh, that really hurt my feelings. Like, Well, I didn't say anything wrong. You're just sensitive. If you go there and just try to win the argument and prove that you're not wrong and the person is the weaker one or the sensitive one, you miss a lot of things and you're going to feel very disconnected. But if you say okay, that hurt you, help me understand what you're feeling better. And they share maybe something from their past, or they share how they've always felt about something. Now, you first of all make them feel much more understood, much more that you care about them, and you'll now know your partner in a deeper and a better way. So if we shift our focus away from a few things, going back to the beginning uh, of the segment, from rational versus emotional, It's going to be both. And so because of that, we don't want to focus on who's logically right or wrong. We want to move towards preferences. I want to try to understand your preferences and your feelings, and I want you to understand my preferences and my feelings. And let's also make sure we both understand what the other person is saying or arguing in this disagreement that we are having. Also moving away from proving right and wrong and moving towards understanding. Can we just try to understand each other? better not try to prove that we're right in this sense and then lastly having respect for your partner's feelings and not trying to make sure you're showing you weren't wrong if they are hurt but that i care about your feelings more than proving i didn't do anything wrong so those are just some thoughts about arguments that we have specifically more directed towards romantic relationships but they essentially apply in other areas as well all right let's go to our last commercial break we'll be right back (laughs) Welcome back. So during the commercial break, was interacting with the audience here on the Instagram live that I'm doing, and a few questions came up. And one relevant one was about how do you express when you are upset with your partner? Your partner did something that hurt you from Mo. So thank you, Mo, for that question. It's a theme that comes up often and really a, an important one in relationships because we're talking about arguments and of course those are going to come up but this is also related to that sometimes we're actually maybe afraid to bring something up because it could turn into an argument but there's lots of reasons that first of all we avoid bringing things up with to our partner and then related to that how we do it is very important so bringing back the should you bring something up this is a common problem that people have Of course, if people are people pleasers related to that conflict avoidant and features like that, of course, they tend to avoid bringing things up and most people don't like bringing things up. And we could feel like it's a good thing. Oh, well, why should I bother my partner? Or if we've been reinforced that we can tell ourselves, oh, I'm so good for not bringing anything up, even though my partner does something I don't like, I don't wanna upset them, so I don't tell them and we reward ourselves or we say I'm so patient that I put up with my partner in this way and we can really make ourselves feel like we're doing the right thing because it feels more comfortable in the moment if you're you know watching tv that's the second time I've used that analogy if you're watching tv with your partner and something comes to your mind that they did of course it's an easier night to just keep watching tv and not say anything bringing something up can create conflict uneasiness tension that obviously in the moment feels worse than the comfort and the calm that you have and so that's what can be challenging about bringing something up is that it can feel like we're going towards something bad. And this is interesting when we talk about feelings, and I was mentioning earlier, the anxiety of doing something new might keep you from doing it, not because it's the wrong thing, but you're worried about taking care of things, uncertainty, all of that. So similarly here, you're in a moment and our feelings can make us want to go towards or away from something. And in that moment, going towards the conflict means going into a negative feeling, which almost always will be harder than going into the comfort or the better feeling. And so you do usually need some effort to make that happen. Um, but I hope people will take that step. And people sometimes hear this and think, oh, you people shouldn't nag their partners. They shouldn't complain. They should be grateful about about their partner. First of all, gratefulness doesn't mean you should never complain, that doesn't make sense. Just like you can be grateful for your health, but if you start coughing, you worry about your cough or you take care of your cough. So you can be grateful to your partner for all the things they did that you enjoy, but something they did that they hurt you is still very relevant. Or you can love your day, but you stub your toe against uh, the edge of the table and it hurts a lot, you obviously will be in pain and that's still very real, even though you might be grateful that I even am lucky to own this table that I hit my my foot on. So you can be grateful and also in pain or upset about something at the same time. Now, what I tell people in a relationship, because I've worked with a lot of couples where they're afraid to tell each other things. They don't want to, and I understand for all these reasons. Because sometimes I say, well, why should I hurt my partner's feelings? They're, they're over there having a nice day, a nice evening, why should I say something that hurts them? So we tell ourselves, I'm not telling them because they will be hurt. But what I tell them is when you bring up something, and of course, we'll get into how to bring it up and better ways of doing that. But when you bring up something to your partner that they did that bothered you, you're not telling them because you want to hurt their feelings. That, if that's your intention, that is a problem. Your intention likely is, if you really think about it, I'm telling you, not because I don't love you, not because I want to hurt you. I'm actually telling you because I love you so much. And I love our relationship so much that I don't want us to not work on the issues or to hold in this resentment or this feeling towards you. So I want to bring it up because I love you, not because I want to hurt you. That's a very different thing than I want to just insult you or put you down. That's that's not good. But if I'm telling you because I love you, because I don't want us to have something between us, and because I know if we work through this, you can understand me better and actually I'll understand you better and we'll have a closer relationship, that's a very different intention. And recognizing that could hopefully give you a little more motivation or that push towards having this uncomfortable conversation that we're talking about. So again, I'm bringing it up because I love you, not because I want to make you upset or ruin your night. Now, as always in communication, it's a two-way street. So I will add this part that, yeah, sometimes you'll be with a partner that won't want to hear what you have to say. So they'll get annoyed at anything you say that's negative. Oh, why do you bring up stuff? You're so annoying, and they'll call you a nagger even though you never bring anything up or you rarely bring something up. Or they'll say, you know, one of the I kind of laugh about this because it comes up when couples avoid a conversation. They'll say, oh, you know, well, why did you bring it up today? I was having a good day. Why did you ruin it? Or they'll say, oh, why did you bring it up today? I was already having a bad day. You know, I can't take this. So it really, you realize there's never a good time. And that's the thing is it never feels good to have an uncomfortable conversation because it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. So it's supposed to hurt a little bit, but that doesn't mean it's bad. That just means that it's going to, if dealt with correctly, lead to growth. So you need to have someone that hopefully is at least receptive in some way. And so, as I mentioned, I hope you'll recognize there's a lot of good in having the the conversation that you should bring these things up out of love for your partner in the relationship. And now we can look at how you bring it up. So, you know, some of these things might be cliche and I'll talk about things like I statements, but they do have value. So to begin with, you know, John Gottman who's done decades of research on marriages, he's found that how you start a conversation has a big impact on how that conversation is going to go. So he talks about having a soft startup, I think is how he talks about it, but basically starting the conversation in a s- soft way. And you know, you see this. If someone starts a conversation, you're such a lazy idiot. Why would I marry you or whatever? There's no way that conversation is going to go well. Whatever it is you're upset about, whatever it is you're hurt about, you're not going to get somewhere. Now, likely that's also a reaction from holding something in for so long that it comes that way another reason which goes back to to why you should share something with your partner but if you start your your discussion your conversation with an attack expect a war so if you're firing a bullet you're going to expect to have a war they're going to fight back or they're going to defend so that's just the way it's going to go but if you can bring it up in a softer way Genuine. Everything you do has to be genuine. You can't just say something that's like reading from a script. But if in a genuine way you can approach with more love and in a softer way, you're more likely, it still could turn bad, but you're more likely to have a good conversation. So, so be aware of that. And again, really this is critical to keep in mind. That if you hold something in and it keeps happening, it's going to be even harder for you to start in a soft way. You're more likely going to react strongly because you almost feel like you deserve it. Well, you've done this 20 times now. You didn't bring it up the first 19, but now this 20th time, you're going to bring it up with a lot of anger because you've been holding it in. The sooner you actually bring it up, the more likely you are to be able to manage your own emotions to express it in a, in a better way. So you want a soft, soft. Uh, Start in a soft way. Using I statements can be valuable. Talking about you and you have to usually talk about what they did. So you can't just say, I felt this. So you're saying, I felt something when you did this. And focusing on your feelings. Because if you attack them, they have to protect themselves, right? If like, how could you do this? You're such a mean person or you're so selfish or you're so whatever it is. But if you focus on, I felt sad when you forgot to call me after your interview, when you told me you would. Now we can have a conversation about that and the partner hopefully will acknowledge and you can go back and forth. But if you made it about, you don't even care about me. You didn't call me after your interview. Well, now the person does feel, you can feel it. There is this sense I have to defend myself. Oh, like I'm being attacked. So that makes a huge impact in how, how those things go. So I felt, so here, one of those classic cliches in therapy or or psychology um, comes up where you say, I felt this when you did that and making the, that more specific. So even how you say it, of course, like right? I felt this when you you know, were a jerk or when you did that, no, but the action, right? I felt sad when you didn't call me after your interview. Um, and I was really expecting that call because you told me you would. And then now we have a conversation. Now I will say this, I will go on the other side as well. Often what we do first is anyway, try to explain, which isn't always bad. Sometimes we explain to defend ourselves and the other person get, can get so mad. But really part of explaining could help bring about understanding. But I would say always go to empathy first. So your partner says, I felt sad when you didn't call me after your interview. Rather than going to, oh, but it was so hectic and then this happened or right when I walked outside this, I didn't have reception. If you can be like, oh, I can see how that would hurt you or that made you sad. Can you let them know that you understand or can see their feeling? And that part can hopefully help them feel connected to you and feel good. Now, the explanation, rather than a justification or an excuse, might actually help take away some of the sting. You know, as soon as I walked out, I got a call from this person for the interview that they had to follow up with this and this and this and this. And by the time I got to my car, you know, whatever happened to help them understand that it seems like you felt like I ignored you and I can understand that that would hurt your feelings. I want you to understand what happened so that you know I was not ignoring you or I did not intend to ignore you or you weren't out of my mind. This was the the situation. So it can help make it less personal and make the sting less. But often if that's done without the empathy first, it feels like you don't care about how I feel, you just want to defend yourself or make excuses for what you did. So that could be a critical component, is the empathy. And this is really with all ages, usually. Empathy first goes a long way. Showing that I understand how you feel, how you feel matters. Rather than, no, 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 you shouldn't feel that way. Which can come from a a less helpful place. But sometimes we do that because we want to show them, I I didn't want to hurt you. There's no need for you to be hurt because actually what you think happened didn't happen. But nonetheless, if you can wait long enough to let them know that this hurt my feelings, that can be helpful. Now, if your partner hopefully is receptive enough as you've shared something that hurt you to let you go a little bit deeper, and this could be good for you, possibly you reflect before, but even you can have hopefully an open enough conversation with your partner in an open enough relationship where you can possibly explore it with them, that you might wanna try to get to the why. So maybe something clearly happened that was easily explainable. But sometimes we might realize, oh, you know, I'm remembering that sometimes my mom would tell me she was going to call me after she left work. And when she wouldn't, I would feel like she didn't care about me or I would really worry that something happened about her. So I realize I have this sensitivity about when someone doesn't call, when they say they are, that I start to panic. And so when you didn't call me after your interview, I think it brought up some of those feelings because even I realized I was more worried than I expected to be. Right, So this can be really helpful, not just you're so bad, you did something bad, but I also want to try to understand from my side what made me feel the way I did. So again, we can get to a place where there's much more mutual understanding and your partner actually can understand you in a deeper way. So also leave space for that, not just what you did in, of, in and of itself was so hurtful that I felt the way I felt, but let me try to understand from my own personal history psychology whatever you want to call it but me and who i am why might i have felt the way that i felt during this and sometimes that could be illuminating for you even like oh i guess maybe it's bringing up those feelings i never thought about that or it also might help your partner understand you better like oh i didn't know that you went through that or i didn't know that affects you so much and now i get you better so if we have a relationship. And so some of these things I'm saying are, I don't wanna say idealized, but they're more towards the ideal of what we wanna work towards. I think they're definitely possible. But I say that because I know sometimes you might have a relationship where you say, if I say these things to my partner, They won't even get to half the places you're talking about, and I get that. And you need both people to be involved. Communication is a two-way street. Communication and connection is about both people making the effort to make that happen. So I understand that some of these things won't be possible, or you think might not be possible. But I would hope you at least approach it in this way, and even talk to your partner about how can we create this. And again, your partner might, oh, stop talking about this. That's like, this is just the way it is. This is what, you know, I, I hear this from... couples i hear from individuals about their partner that this is the way it is if you don't like it leave which is really I think the wrong approach, but unfortunately that's somehow sometimes how people think about things or so you can't control that. But hopefully you're, if your partner is open to that and if you realize we don't have the space to have these kind of conversations, it could be worth looking at how can we get there? And it takes some time. And the good news is at the beginning it's going to feel really difficult, but the more you have them, even if they still feel uncomfortable because you've had experience of having these conversations go well, they become less scary. You might still feel some anxiety, but you're not as scared, which is how anxiety works. The more you face that scary thing, it becomes less scary because you see it's not such a a crazy thing that's about to happen or a scary thing. It can actually turn out quite fine. So that brings us to the end of tonight's show. But a big thank you to Mo for that question and a big thank you to Farhude, who's here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadir Dalaqui. Have a wonderful night.